<clears throat> yeah, when I um, when I pulled up today for this class, I thought um, I'm gonna consciously not mention the events in Las Vegas. I'm gonna consciously not mention the president. I'm going to consciously not mention pretty much the hundreds, if not thousands, of other emotionally triggering things that are happening in the world at the moment. And instead, I am going to consciously say, what about you? Yeah, what about us? Um, I often use my Facebook as a way to have kind of the pulse, my pulse, uh, you know, to be at the, the pulse of the collective consciousness to see where everyone's at. And um, it's pretty bad, I would say. It seems like it's escalating in its hecticness and its <coughs> polarized opinions and its triggering posts and things. Um, and I see, yeah, a lot of pray for this and pray for that and wishes for this and that. But I don't see many people that really have an awareness of, but what is that doing to me? What is my relationship to that event or that thing? What is reading through the Facebook wall actually doing to me? How is it making me feel? How am I responding to my world? And in Buddhism, we often talk about the mind in terms of there's, I think the word would be asavas, which is like the outflowing of the mind, that we have a tendency, our mind has a, a tendency, a, a habit um, of flowing outwards through our sensory organs, through looking, through, through feeling, through hearing, and even through thinking about, even though a thought's an internal thing, but even projecting those thoughts outwards onto the world in terms of concerns or fears or hopes or wants and things. And, um, and the flowing out of the mind, it's endless. There's kind of an endless amount of outflowing you can do. There's an endless amount of things to do and to see and to hear and to experience. And the world's always changing, right? So it's, I could walk through downtown Acton today and make experiences, but then I can't really say that, oh, now I know everything about that, because I could walk again tomorrow and it would be a whole different experience. So there's really an endless supply of experiences to be had in the world. There's an endless supply of things to do and to see and to hear and to feel and to go through. Um, and even in our particular lives, so um, you guys have mentioned acceptance as a theme. So even in our particular life, there's also in a way an endless amount of things going on that we could kind of um, you know, 
think about or grab onto or um, have opinions about, want to do something about. And one of the things that I learned while I was in the monastery was that I wouldn't say that it's ignorance is bliss, um, because actually I don't think that ignorance is bliss. When you look around the world, actually ignorance is pain and suffering. I would say actually all of the suffering in the world comes out of ignorance. So I would actually say that ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is actually pain. Um, but it's not that like I did in the monastery, right, where you go off by yourself and you try to close yourself up in a room or in a cave and you don't look at the world at all and that's the way to go through life happily, even though I'm sure it would solve a lot of our problems. Um, it's really about learning how to be present in your life with the things that are going on, but really form more of an attitude of equanimity towards what's happening, to as much as possible, don't sweat the small stuff, to really let go as much as you can, really as much as really, everything that really doesn't matter that much, just let it go for yourself, for your own sake. Yeah, because we only have a limited amount of energy to use. We only have a limited amount of mental space. In fact, the mind can only be thinking about one thing at any given moment anyway. So the more things we have to think about, that just creates the scattered effect, where the mind is just jumping, 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 thinking of this, then that, then this, then that. Um, and what we'll notice is that oftentimes in our meditation, when we watch where our mind goes, where it kind of flows to and around, we'll see that it goes to a lot of what I would call unresolved parts of our life. So it might go to an argument you've had with somebody 13 years ago. It might go to what you're going to do tonight when you go home, or where you want to go on vacation later, or all the work that's waiting for you. Um, that the mind will then go maybe into fantasies, right? Or it'll go even into something in the present moment that you either like or you don't like. Like, oh, it's really peaceful in this room. Or, oh, man, I have this weird leg pain and it doesn't go away. That the mind will kind of just keep going around to different things that it kind of wants to change, right? Something that it wants to have more of that it's not having, which would be right, fantasies or hopes or plans or, or things that it has but it doesn't want or it hasn't really found peace with, so it kind of spins around different themes and issues, trying to find some kind of resolve to find peace, but it's not working. And at some point, it starts to, to require um, a conscious effort to really say to yourself, it doesn't really matter, just let it go. Um, somebody once asked the Dalai Lama, do you still get angry? And he said, of course. But then I say to myself, but then what's the use? And then I just let it go. Um, so I would say in any given person's mind, probably about 98% of the stuff going on is things you could just let go of. It's stuff that actually you should not be grabbing onto, you should not be busying yourself with. It's stuff that's just there, and you getting all in an emotional ruffle about it is actually not changing the situation at all. It maybe reinforces your ego to have an opinion about something. Sometimes that's a self-righteousness that 
they did something wrong and I'm better than that, and this kind of feeling. Or it's, oh, how could they? And that's um, it's such a, a um, almost like we're offended by something that happened or it's unfair or something creates fear in us. Or that a lot of times our reaction really is only happening inside of us. It's not changing the situation at all. It's not adding anything useful to the situation. It's just a reactive space that only we experience. Um, so sometimes when I look at people and I'm like walking down the street, I imagine that each person is in like a bubble and their thoughts are like music that's playing inside of the bubble and their emotions are like a, a smell inside of the bubble. Because it's like everyone's walking in these kind of self-contained units where they're hearing their thoughts and their emotions are kind of the, the, the quality and the texture of their experience. And it's just in this little self-contained bubble. And they just kind of, I see a lot of times people like thinking angry or stressful thoughts and their energy is stressful. So they're in this bubble and everything is just stress, 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 stress. You know, and you see people that are walking and they're happy and it's like, oh. And they see like sunshine and oh, how nice it is to walk. And their bubble is like this very light, like almost like, you know, be playing like pop music or something. They're walking and they're very happy to go. You know, and then sometimes those bubbles interact and then sometimes a little bit of your happiness will shoot into somebody's bubble or sometimes a little bit of somebody's frustration will shoot into your happiness bubble. And then you're like, oh gosh, and you try to figure out what to do with this new energy that's come in that's not really yours, but unfortunately our bubbles are very permeable. Um, so we can never really protect ourselves from the world, right? Um, our senses are open. We hear, even if you're in an argument with somebody, and they say something completely ridiculous, you've still heard it, it still goes in. Yeah, so you can't really protect your senses from receiving the information. So we are, it's an open system, we're, we're, we're permeable, right? Um, but then the question again, it really comes down to what can you do something about and what can't you do something about? And I, I want to make also a distinction between um, this idea of acceptance and also something that would be called being passive, maybe. Because I personally, I, I really stand up for myself in situations, right? Like if there's something that I need to say, I'll say it. If there's something that's not right, I'll speak it out and I'll try to set a boundary. So I, in my personal life, I try to be very active in my interactions and relationships. Um, but then also really um, knowing that that's my way of letting go. So this was another reflection I had in the monastery, right? So often we talk about letting things, like letting go, right? In Buddhism or spirituality, like just let go, right? Let go. Um, there are some things that I could let go of quite easily. Right? There was a, um, a noise downstairs or a mosquito. Or th there's, there were some things that I was like, okay, you know, I, I can just let them go, let them be. The, you know, the bathroom's not as clean as I would like it to be, but it's okay. You know. um, I didn't have a really fulfilling lunch, but it's okay. I can, you know. There's just little things that you can just let go and let them be. But then there was other things that I couldn't. I remember I was sitting on retreat in my bedroom, and I thought about... Um, and this was a three-month silent retreat, so it was just me alone for three months in a room, right? I thought about suddenly, when I was a kid, 
I would sometimes sneak into my sister's room and I would steal money from this book that she kept money in. And then I would go buy myself magic cards and then go play magic cards. I was like, look. And I was sitting in the room and I remembered this moment and I said to myself, can you let that go? And I was like, no, I feel really like I stole from my sister. I don't feel good about it. So I said, so what can you do? And I went to my wallet and I was in Germany, so I had all these euros. So I took all the euros and I got an envelope and I just put 200 euros in the envelope and wrote, when I was a kid, I stole money from you, I'm sorry. And got my sister's address and wrote it on there. And then I put it downstairs to be mailed off the next day. And then I went back to my room and I was like, ah, and then I could let that go. And then I said, you know, there's some things that you can let go of, but there's some times that you have to also be active to let go. You have to play an active role in letting something go. So um, I would say to, to bring down the spiritual ideal of acceptance, right? Because when I read stories about the Buddha or these great monks, they're really accepting to the point like they're just nothing touches them. You know, you could chop off their arm and they would just look at you like, oh, you've chopped off my arm. You know, and no emotional reaction, nothing, right? Um, but if I have to be true to my own experience, I'm not at that place. Yeah. And then I say, you know, there are things that I can let go of and there's things that I can be at peace with. And there's also times where I say, you know, I can't be at peace with that and I have to do something. And then there's times that I can really be active and change. So for things that are causing you stress, whether at home or in the workplace, it's really important to kind of use that as the framework, to look and see what are the things that I can actively do something about? Is there, is, should I speak up? Did something happen and I didn't speak up and say that's not okay with me? Or I want to find a better solution. Um, so myself and Johan, we went to, to India. And on the flight, I, you know, we went to the, to the airline, when I was heading to India, and I went to the desk, you know, to get my ticket. She printed out my ticket, and I said, uh, oh, yeah, and, and this is an aisle seat, right? And she said, oh, no, it's a middle seat. And I said, oh, well, I had booked an aisle seat. And actually, I don't even remember if I booked an aisle seat, but I'm pretty sure I did. So I said, I booked an aisle seat. And she said, well, the flight is full. And I said, well, I booked an aisle seat. And she said, well, the flight is full. And I said, well, I booked an aisle seat. And I kind of just stood there staring at her. And she's like, well, I can look at the computer. I said, yes, do that. And she looked and she said, there's no seats, the flight is full. And I said, I booked an aisle seat. And she said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. And I said, let me speak to your supervisor. And then she looked down at the computer again and she said, well, there's the safety rows. And I said, is there an aisle seat in the safety rows? And she said, yes. And I said, then give me that seat. And that's the seat that I got. On the way home, the exact same thing happens, and the exact same conversation happened, and the end result was exactly the same. Then I got home, I had to go to the bank to get money for rent. I went to the Bank of America here, and, or actually the one in Andover, so farther away from here. Yeah, I went in, I said I need to take out this much money um, for my rent, and I said, and the guy started taking it out, and I said, oh, can I have it in $100 bills? And he said, I, I, only, I don't have any $100 bills here, I only have 20s. And I said, oh, can you get some $100 bills? And he said, well, we don't really have any. And I said, I would like $100 bills. And he's like, well, look, we don't have any. And I said, does your colleague have any? And he's like, well, I'll ask, but I don't think so. And I said, yes, ask. 
And he said, do you have any $100 bills? And she said, yeah, of course. And she pulled out you know, a stack. And she's like, here. And he's like, OK, yeah, I guess. You know. And you know, and of course, in my mind, it's like, you're a bank. Of course, you have $100 bills, right? But he just couldn't be bothered to look or, you know. But I had to stand my ground. I had to say, this is what I want. You know, with the flights as well, this is what I want. And I'm not backing down. Yeah? And I wasn't being pushy, but I stood my ground. And I said, this is what I want. And I know that this is within your ability to give this to me. And also, especially in a customer role, you definitely have the right to say, I'm a customer. And I'm going to wait until you give me what I want as your customer. And both times it worked out. And I think in relationships, very similar things can happen. That you will have a conversation with somebody, and something doesn't quite feel right. This often happens. Like you'll, you'll talk to somebody, and something doesn't quite feel right. And a lot of times, people just accept it and say, oh, OK. Um, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, my girlfriend, um, she started playing softball in like a recreational softball league. And she said to me, oh, it'd be great if you came to one of my softball games. And I said, I'm not really interested in softball. And she got upset. And she said, um, well, you know, I, I thought that you know, a partner of mine would want to go to my softball games. You know? It was kind of this, this thing a little bit. And I sat, and I thought, and I felt into it. And after a while, I kind of realized she wasn't inviting me to a softball game. She was saying, there's this thing that's really important for me, and I want to share that thing with you. Because you're important to me, too. So I want to share this meaningful thing with my partner, who's also important. And I was rejecting it. Whereas in my mind, I was just hearing, do you want to watch a softball game? And I was like, no, of course I don't want to watch a softball game. And when I realized what was actually going on, then I looked at her and said, honey, I would love to come to your softball game. Can I yell out your name when you have that? Of course you can. I, I'm going to yell so loud. You know? And then I realized, OK, that's actually what this is about. And then I was allowed to shift views. Um, sometimes you just have to keep working. And you say, well, does this work? Well, no, then I still feel uncomfortable. Can we do this? No, that, does this work? And then you start to find that kind of middle ground. And then you can both let it go and be at peace with it. right? So sometimes to accept something, it also requires work. That sometimes there's actually a process to bring you to a place where then you can be done with it. Yeah. And then there's also just things that are, are so far out of our control, even if they really get us emotionally, that there's really nothing to do but just accept that that thing happens, to feel all of the feelings that you have about it. So it's also important not to spiritually bypass what we're feeling. So this is a, a great term to learn spiritual bypassing. This is when people are like, oh, no, I don't feel that. I'm, I'm peaceful. Or I don't get angry. I'm just peaceful. You know, that they use their spirituality as a way to not have to be a human anymore, to not feel human emotions, right? Pre to pretend that they're not feeling human emotions. Yeah. Um, so it's really important to, to feel what you feel and to honor those feelings, but also really say, what can I do about it? And if I can't do anything about it over there, well, what can I do about it here, right? So I can't do anything about violence happening on the other side of the world, but I can share peace with the people that I'm with now, the people that I'm around. So I can't necessarily help that person over there, but I can help these people here. I can't necessarily create more peace in the world over there, but I can create more peace 
in my environment. So I can still create the world that I want to see within my sphere of influence. Yeah. So I think it's important um, to just realize that oftentimes when we're struggling inside and we're, we feel like we should accept something, oftentimes it's actually we're supposed to be speaking out or setting a boundary that we haven't done. And that's why it's causing the conflict. Because the things you can easily let go of, usually you can just easily let go of them. Yeah. Yes? But um, would you term like letting it go, like how to let go of certain things, how to stand your ground, right? Yeah. Would you, can you put, put a filter like, okay, this thing I cannot control? Do you say that, okay, we should let that go? And only worry about things that you can control? Like certain things, as you said, you know, something happening in the world you can't control. Yeah. I would try, but also, you know, when I was in Germany, we had a monk come, um, and he walked the U.S.-Mexico border, and he walked the Israel-Palestine wall, and he went to concentration camps um, in Germany and in Poland and led meditation retreats and sits at these concentration camps. And he was a, a Vietnam War vet as well. His name's Claude Anshin Thomas. And, uh, and I spoke to him about this. And he said to me, you know, it got really deep when I realized that concentration camps didn't come from Hitler. They didn't come from the Nazis, and they didn't come from Germany. They came from the intolerance that lives in all men's hearts. And I thought that was really poignant, because it said that the enemy is not necessarily the manifestation of the thing. It's oftentimes the quality that created that manifestation that we all still carry in us. So he said, you know, the best way to really heal what happened in that war. And the best way to, to really fight the enemy, so to say, he said it's actually to really have a good hard look at yourself, to have a really good hard look at is, what are my, um, is there anything I discriminate against or judge? Or is there anything I think is better or worse? Or any people that I think are better or worse? To really deal with that on an internal level. And then also look around you, just right you know, in our culture, right? We see tons of that. Right? We see tons of that profiling, discrimination, and this and this and this, right? So again, right, we have one of the biggest shootings in recent times just happening by this just kind of normal, unassuming white guy, and nobody's calling it a terrorist attack, right? Whereas if he was Islamic, it would be a terrorist attack, but because there's no label on this man, he's, as, you know, they, they don't say that, right? So in the obituary, like, oh, he was fondly remembered for liking country music and all this, and it's like, you would never see a, an obituary like that for somebody that, that killed people if they were from another religion, right? Or if they had some kind of... So it, it really shows that culturally, and I mean, I, I'm sure we all know this without me saying it, but culturally, we put people into boxes, and we think that certain people are more deserving, or some people are more dangerous, or some people deserve kind of our condemnation. Um, and we don't realize that, that that is the same, you know, build the wall, right? That's the same 
energy that says these people are good, these people are bad, these people deserve, these ones don't. And in a really extreme situation, these are the ones that should die. And these are the ones that should live. So it's really important to, to realize also what is the roots? What is the roots of what we're seeing around the world? If there's a situation we don't agree with, if there's some tragedy, some horrible thing, what are the roots of that situation? And do any of those roots exist within me still? And if they do, then that's where your work begins. And if they don't, then look around to your friends, to your family, to your community. Are any of the roots there? And what can I do about it here? How can I make a difference right here where I am to stop it from happening? So um, in a way, there's always kind of something one can do in this world, right? But my personal approach to that is thinking, well, if the roots are always things like ignorance, if the roots are always things like hatred, if the roots are always things like greed, if the roots are always things like power, if the roots are always things like discrimination and judgment, why don't I simply live my life in a way that I feel is more loving, that I feel is more open, that I feel is more accepting, that I feel is more gentle, that I feel is more direct and straightforward and honest. So why don't I just take all of the roots that I see out there and just live the opposite, live the antidote. And then I don't even have to think about it in terms of reacting to each individual situation. I know for myself that I'm living a life the best that I can. I know that I'm spreading good seeds into the world. And even if I see darkness out there, I still know that I'm giving light, that I'm doing my part of that. And that also allows me to rest. That also allows me to accept and to let go because I know that I'm doing what I can from my side. And the rest I can really leave and say, I'm not Superman yeah, or Super Monk, right? That I can't do all of that stuff, but I can do this. I can hold a torch here for these people for this time. Um, taking that all back into the practice of meditation, I would also say it's similar in terms of we can come to a room like this. We can sit here, right? If you hear the car alarm outside, you cannot think, oh, is that my car getting broken into? Or you cannot think, don't they know we're meditating in here? What are they doing? You cannot grab onto things. You can just leave them be out there and sit here. Um, if you start to get a little discomfort in your leg, you can try moving it. But if it's still discomfort, you can say, okay, look, there's nothing I can do about my leg right now. You, you, can, you can actively Un unhook your mind from the things it keeps trying to get caught up on to accept them, right? To actively start letting go. Um, but also, what I really like about meditation on its most basic level is that it's just about being present. This is really like one of the best medicines that I've found in my entire life is the ability just to be present with whatever's going on. To really sit here and not be trying to get peaceful, not trying to get the mind to stop, not trying to get comfortable, not trying to get anywhere or do anything, to really just sit and just be. I like saying we're human beings, right? But we often focus on the human part and not enough on the being part. Yeah, that when you can sit here and you can just be, with whatever is going on in you, 
thoughts, feelings, sensations, whatever's going on around you, noises, smells, mosquitoes, who knows. If you can really just sit and just be with whatever's there, it really opens up this beautiful stability. It opens up a kind of um, calmness, peacefulness, a fearlessness. You stop being so afraid of things, spaciousness. And also, you start to realize that um, things are just there. Things just are. Right? The feeling of the carpet beneath my legs just is. The, the dull pain on my butt from sitting on this cushion for half an hour is just kind of there. You know, the, the buzz of the electricity is just kind of there. There's all these things that are just kind of there. And I can just leave them alone. I can leave them be, right? So um, this teacher, Achan Cha, you know, when one of his students was complaining about construction work outside their monastery in Thailand, he said, is the noise disturbing you or are you disturbing the noise? Right? Kind of saying that the sound is just there, but why are you grabbing onto it? Why don't you just allow that? That's the nature of the world. People do construction and that makes noise. Let things be. Let the world be. Um, you know, the poet Han Shan, he lived up on Cold Mountain in China. and he, One of my favorite poems from him, it, it ends with the, the phrase, um, a rock for my pillow and the sky for my blanket. Let the world go about its business. Right? So this idea of this like, simple monk just lying down on the ground and putting his head on a rock under the open sky and just saying, let the world do what it does. And it's actually not mine to touch or concern. To, to really give ourselves that ability to let go and release. And I promise the world isn't going anywhere. Yeah, we allow ourselves to sleep at night. Why don't we allow our mind also to rest? Yeah, so all of your problems are going to still be there. Your families, your kids, your partners, your jobs, your financial and health concerns and political things. That's all going to be there. It's not going anywhere. And you also have to realize that obsessively going over in your head is actually not getting any clarity. So what really will help is if you give yourself just a little pocket of time to just let the world go about its business. Right? That's what meditation is really about. At the heart of it, it's just letting everything go, letting the mind come in and just be with itself, to turn inwards and just to be and to rest and relax and deepen. And you also start to realize a lot. There's a, a whole path of insight also when the mind goes in. You start to really see a lot about the nature of reality and of yourself. Yeah, But really that path of of letting things go. And then when you're done with that, you'll feel totally like rested and refreshed. Yeah, you'll feel relaxed. You'll feel happy and peaceful. And then you can continue doing things in the world, but with a totally different attitude. It'll be totally changed, and you won't feel burnt out by everything. But some people in the world are like Martin Luther King. They didn't let it go, right? Are they considered different humans? Because they felt like, I'm not letting this problem go. I want to change. What are they doing differently? Like, because are these people like super achievers? Or what do you categorize? So I would say that Martin Luther King was like me at the ticket counter. Yeah? Is that there is something in his life, and he said, this is not OK. 
and I'm going to stand here until it changes. He just happened to be standing for something much, much bigger than not sitting in the aisle seat. Yeah. But he stood there and he said, this is not okay. What's happening to my people is not okay. What's happening to me is not okay, and I'm not going to sit down. I'm going to stand here, and I'm going to hold it up in your face until you change it. So that's the two person. As you said, any person can let go. Two persons is for him. The two person was that. That's the two person you said initially in the conversation. Ninety percent of this world can be letting go. Two persons. Sure. For him, the two person was something bigger than him who carried it. Yeah, that he said. You know what? I'm not going to just let this be. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to feel overpowered. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to hold that up. And yeah, there's definitely certain people, historically, Gandhi, another example, that have been able to do this. Also, they were really in the right place at the right time, with the right conditions, with the right upbringing, in the right situation, that they could be that person. If you had Martin Luther King, but he tried doing that 100 years before, it would not have worked. Yeah. So a lot of conditions also had to come together for that person to be able to hold that energy at that time. And also at Martin Luther King, same thing. He was the manifestation also of the collective suffering of a lot of people, the collective justice that was not being served. Yeah, so he was able to really hold that up. And, um, and that's, yeah, and that's amazing, right? And that's also, there's a, a great degree of selflessness in those people too, because they gave their life for a bigger cause. Yeah, and it worked. There's a lot of people that give their lives for a bigger cause and it doesn't work. Yeah, there's a lot of unsung heroes who have died and we don't know their names. Right. Say that again. His work also started with the wrong seat, the wrong bus seat. The wrong bus seat. Sure. So, I would say that my impulse for tonight with all of this, it's both in the meditation class tonight, but also when you leave this room, it's, I would actually say the point is about integrity. It's be in your own integrity and really see what is it that I can do, right, right here as we're sitting here, what can I do? Can I sit in a chair instead of on the ground? Right? In my meditation, can I be kinder to myself? Can I not push myself? Can I not be judging myself? Yeah, can, I, can I be gentle and loving with what's going on? Can I be open and receptive? Right? So what can we actively do in this round right here to start to allow our minds to relax and to open up? But then also when we leave this room, what are the things that I need to speak out? What are the things I need to be active about? And that requires some courage often. Yeah. And also one of the things that, you know what, like, I'm going to put that down because that's just a huge weight that I don't feel like carrying and it's not even mine to carry. And not feeling guilty for that or like we're betraying somebody for that, but really out of an act of self-love saying, I need to put this thing down. Yeah, and that's kind of our all, you know, that's our individual practice. It'll be different for each person what that looks like. Okay. So... Um, I think that was enough talking for one class. So what we'll do from here on out is that we'll do a, a short sitting meditation, and then we'll do a walking meditation, and I'll teach you guys how to do walking meditation, and then we'll do another sitting meditation again at the end.
So we'll really now start to get into the practice. And, um, and just start to learn by doing, right? So don't try to be anywhere except right here with, with what you're experiencing, what you have. Um, don't try to be Buddha. Yeah, just be you. Be you sitting here. And, um, yeah, and see what are the things that you can do, and then what are the things that you can really just let go of and make peace with and allow. And, and practice being. Just practice the being part of the human. Just practice being. Okay? <coughs>